The year was 2023. In fact, it was just about a week and a half ago. I had my very first book signing sponsored by myself and my company in my hometown. Now, that may seem odd to you because I've been all the way to Caesars Palace signing books, but it wasn't on my own behalf. And in fact, that happened two years after my first book. Why? Because of the pandemic. Remember, no thanks, seven ways to say, I'll just include myself, was released in August of 2020 in the midst of the lockdown. So that book didn't get any live in-person speaking opportunities attached to it. There were no book signings. Now, yes please, Seven Ways to Say I'm Entitled to the C-Suite has new opportunities because we aren't locked down. In fact, most of us have had our vaccines. We're out and about. Not too many people are wearing masks. So a new opportunity presented itself. Dallas is the first of a few cities where I'll appear the next Atlanta. But until then, I thought it'd be awesome if my guest host for this show, who also happened to interview me for the fireside chat at Blacklit Books. Also, simulcast this stream on her show. It's called PR Yourself. Her name is Leah Frazier. She is a three-time Emmy-winning communicator. And all things be told, she's my PR director and she's also my stylist. She came through in a pinch. You'll get to hear why. Without further ado, here is my book signing for Yes Please, Seven Ways to Say I'm Entitled to the C-Suite, as it happened, a replay. Let's get it. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Hello. Welcome everyone. How are we doing? Great. We have any type of energy? It's the end of the day, yeah. Okay, what's your name? My name's Mark. We need some Mark energy up in this place. (laughs) Well, we would just like to welcome everyone here to Blacklit. I know I'm super excited. It's my first time here and it's a wonderful black bookstore. And of course, we're gonna be celebrating a black author tonight. My name is Leah Frazier. Obviously, we were supposed to have Cleo Green here from Channel 8. Cleo could not make it. Obviously, I'm not Cleo. But she is a dear friend, and she supports Elle Michelle dearly. So I will be filling in for her tonight for our Q&A with this fabulous, amazing author. Um, Elle Michelle and I kind of go back. <laughs> um, she's just such a dynamic woman, personality, author, executive leadership coach, always pioneering for women, for us asking for what we deserve. And myself being the CEO of my own media company, everything that she aligns herself with is things that helps me to grow and to expand and to be the absolute best version of myself, not only professionally, but personally. So I'm excited because tonight we're gonna be obviously talking about her new book, Yes Please. (laughs) Seven ways to say, yeah, I know, right? And I love this, because every word is intentional. It's like, I am entitled. It's not that maybe or I think so. It is, I am entitled to the C-suite, especially as a woman of color. If you remember, she released No Thanks, (laughs) and that was in red. We now have the green light. Tonight, we're going to be saying yes, please, and so without... Any further ado, I would like to 
Welcome to the stage, L. Michelle Smith. <laughs> thank you, Leah. No, thank you. And she's in her green. Yes. She's she's on brand this evening. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Are you excited to touch, to feel, I am. to release? You know, this is the first time I felt the jacketed silk laminate. <laughs> the printer got it here just in time for this, so it's quite a moment to open up the box. My cousin <laughs> hey, family. <laughs> well, I'm so excited for this experience and to have this discussion. And as we're talking, if there's questions that you have, oh, Michelle's an open book. She's obviously a podcaster as well, so she, she can talk. So if you have those questions, we'll definitely get the, to those in a little bit. But before we get into Yes, Please, for anyone that's not familiar with Elle Michelle's work, can you talk to us a little bit about, because this is a series. This isn't just one-off books. Right. In fact, it became a franchise over time. No Thanks was released in 2020 during the lockdown. We were literally locked down, couldn't go out and have a book signing like this, couldn't touch people couldn't breathe on people. <laughs> and I was at home frantically getting it out around July of 2020. August 2020, we released it. And there are two versions of it, two editions. One, no thanks, seven ways to say, I'll just include myself. And it's a guide to rock star leadership for women of color in the workplace. And the gist of that book was pretty much a little bit about, about my story. It is built on the same chassis. Uh, as Yes, Please. My story and my narrative threads the book. And then on top of that, I have several other powerful women who happen to be my sponsors, my mentors, who tell their stories too. And I discovered that the way they were able to include themselves and create their own equality, if you will, was to know their own value. And that means that you need to know and understand who you are as an individual not just your name, not just where you're from, but what really drives you? What are your passions? What are your values? What are your superpowers? And we discovered that there were times when these ladies, super women, mm -hmm. were afraid. Fear never went away, but they powered through it because they knew their value. So the hero in the book was knowing your value, and the antagonist in the book was fear. This time, the villain in the book is isolation, and the antagonist in the book, I mean, I'm sorry, the, um, the hero in the book is positive emotion. So do you have to read No Thanks to pick up on Yes Please? No, you actually don't. But there is some aligning baseline concepts in No Thanks that I encourage you, if you haven't read it yet, the second edition is called No Thanks, the Remix. It has two-thirds more, um, and this is about the time Leah and I started working together. Yeah. <laughs> she started doing media for me around that time. But it has two-thirds more um, content in it, and it starts to unravel some of the um, survey and research that is unveiled in this book. Also in between, we did a 52-week journal, yep. Slay Every Day. It was based on, no thanks, it's a companion journal. Slavery Day, 52 Weeks to Rockstar Leadership. And in the midst of that, my daughter, who doesn't like to talk about it, Look, she, she's had an idea so funny. to write a children's book around the same thing of No Thanks, and it's called No Thanks for Girls. I edited it, 
Grandma edited it. <laughs> she calls her Gabby. She's right back there. Retired English teacher. I hired a ch children's book editor, writer, and also an illustrator. And No Thanks for Girls, Seven Ways to Say I'm Beautiful, Strong, and Enough was born. Um, all of these books are based on positive affirmations. And we'll talk more about that as we get going. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you brought up. And I think particularly what I like about your books is that they are based in data yes. and stats, mm -hmm. neuroscience. Yes. And we're even talking about with this book, there's a lot on positive emotion. So there's that psychological aspect, especially for women of color who are in leadership who may feel that isolation, Absolutely. they feel like they're alone. So can you talk a little bit first about the importance of that and then what is positive emotion? Okay. Let's talk about isolation first. Yeah. We're all familiar with the idea of being the only one in the room. That's usually what you hear from people who are in the margins or, or underrepresented. I don't like being the only one in the room. That's the first most obvious. But as you start to ascend to higher leadership, it gets even more lonely. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find other people like you because the stats tell us 7.4% of executive leaders in the United States in the Fortune 500 are black women. That's everything, that doesn't even, include, that includes C-suite, but it also includes E-suite and senior vice presidents, 7.4%. Of the entire Fortune 500, that's 500 companies. Two of those individuals are at the top, the Sons of Brown Ducket at TIAA yeah. mm -hmm. and Rosalind Brewer, who's at Walgreens Foods. When I first wrote, no thanks, there was no one, because Ursula Burns at IBM had retired in 2016. We had no one. And then when you expand to other women of color, it's still very scant. Mm -hmm. So my question became, why is this? And we explored that a bit in No Thanks, and now in Yes Please, we start to unravel even more because many of the women that I work with, they fit that target demographic, and I hear the same stories despite their names being different, despite their companies being different, despite them living in totally different parts of the country, and even sometimes in other countries, their stories are the same. And it was fascinating to me. And as they started to tell me more about what it was like to be in executive leadership, they started to describe how lonely it was. We talk about in the book how you need to move on or move out, move up. One of the young women in the book who happens to be my college roommate, and she's my sorority sister, <laughs> she's Dr. Keisha Kelly. She's a nurse, chief nursing officer. She has moved 10 times, nine cities. Two of them were Hawaii, so I guess. <laughs> but each time she had to try and build new community. That gets lonely. She's mm -hmm. in Portland right now. How many black folks or people of color are in Portland? <laughs> Not very many but she leans into positive emotion mm -hmm. to get her through. There's another woman in the book. Her name is Dorinda Walker. She's in insurance. I try to get women who are across all sorts of industries. And because she was one of a few, and she has an amazing story of overcoming drugs and drug abusive parents and even spending some time in jail, but she made her way up the ranks in Northwestern and was um, Northwestern Mutual uh, yeah. Insurance and she was doing amazing things, getting awards all over the place, writing books. Mm -hmm. And somehow, they decided her light was shining too brightly. 
So, How many people have experienced that? Yeah. <laughs> so they moved her around in the organization, and so her sponsorship diminished. Hmm. The people that she reported to didn't know what she was doing, why she was doing it. Sounds very similar to my story. And so they diminished her, and she felt isolated. Isolation, sometimes it happens when you get on that corporate jet. Because when you get to that table, when you get to that room where these high-powered people are, again, you're alone to the second degree. It's very different. And I see people nodding their heads because they know. <laughs> very different. So what we learn in positive psychology, my coach training is in positive psychology. Some of you know that because we've worked before, um, has found that positive emotion drives wonderful goal-getting behaviors. It accelerates you. It gets your mind into a place where it should be in order to thrive. It's human nature to be negative. We were built this way. Why were we built this way? I always say to my, my ladies, if you are in the bush in BC, who knows what the date might be, and your <laughs> husband is out there hunting and gathering, and you're in the bush with your young, and you hear a rustle in the bush, what do you do? Anybody, what do you do? You're out there naked and afraid with your, what do you do? Anybody? What'd you say, Joni? You said run, didn't you? Run is an option, yes, run. What's the other thing you might do? Yes, Joy put up her dudes, fight. Fight or flight. Fight, fight for that cub. The good Lord gave us fight or flight mm -hmm. to protect us, right? So fear isn't a bad thing. It's there for us to protect ourselves, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and do well for ourselves. However, if you start to add trauma on top of the fear, if you've been through adversity before, you become a little bit more timid about stepping out into situations that may be foreign to you. And that's where we get to the crux of the problem especially the double disadvantage. That's what we call women of color. And that term was coined by Ellen McGirt. I quoted her in the last book. Mm -hmm. She writes an, a column called Race Ahead for Fortune Magazine. And she wrote an article about the double pane glass ceiling for black women. And it's based on research from women in the workplace who has done year over year since 2016, I believe, studies about women in the workplace, leanin.org and McKinsey, and then Catalyst Research that really digs into workplace culture, they have discovered, finally, what we already knew to be true. If you are a woman of color because of your gender and because of your race, it makes you an outsider because corporate America was built with white maleness in mind. So you're automatically an outsider for two reasons, not just one. You see? So then we get to the point where we have to double and triple down on our positive emotion because we already have these negative feelings that happen. There are times when you just go into a room, no one's said anything, but you, you feel it and you come out and you start to doubt yourself. We tend to call it imposter syndrome, but that's a fallacy because imposter syndrome starts from the inside. What starts from the outside in your environment? Microaggressions, bias, politics. Sometimes you just have downright toxic environments and you take that in. And if people don't expect you to lead, if they expect to see you in other types of roles, 
support staff, you know, maybe even the cleaning lady. Mm -hmm. God bless them. We need those people. But if you've been to Ivy League and you've got the credentials, and by the way, black women have more advanced degrees than any other group out there, according to the U.S. Census. We have the whole alphabet behind our names. I think, yeah, there's an example. <laughs> we have the whole alphabet behind our names, but we still feel like we don't belong, like there's a challenge there. And because it's real, this research that I named actually finally voiced in data what we've been feeling all along and we feel very validated. But the question becomes, what do you do about it? Yeah. So I took it upon myself with my coach training and we have to do continuing coaching education. That's when I started picking up on neuroscience to figure out what kind of mindset we need to bolo through this anyway, because let's face it, companies are trying to do diversity, equity, and inclusion. They've been trying for 50 years. <laughs> have they solved for it? No. No. And now we have this whole backlash where people are fighting for it to go away. Mm -hmm. So if we sit there and wait for diversity, equity, and inclusion programs to work, where does that leave us? That goes for everybody. Yeah. Everybody checks some box in some way, whether it's an invisible diversity or what have you. We have to figure out how to get our minds to a place and use the burden of resilience, which is what I call it in the book. Because if you've been through adversity, that's what grants you access to resilience. That's how you get it. What we don't address is how to heal from the trauma that brought you there. Right. So positive emotion, it's all about, um, let's see, positive psychology says happy people are successful people, period. Not the other way around. Not success comes and then you're happy which is what society pretty much tells us. Get the job, get the good money, get that car, get that house, get the 2.5 kids and a dog, you'll be happy. No, because there are plenty of people out there that have billions of dollars. And the life that we can only dream of and just sad as anything. If we can get people to a place where they're happy, content, despite what's going on and it's intentional, you can triple down on positive emotion and there are 10 of them. You can triple down on those and undo the negative emotion. Mm. So That's so good. Yeah. You said that there was ten. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about maybe a couple of okay. them. <laughs> I like. What's on one. the top one? What's number one? Number one, <laughs> and they're listed in the book, and they're not ranked in the book. However, I did list the strongest one first. Any guesses? You can talk to me. <laughs> Think of a positive emotion that you know is just so strong. It holds families together. Love. There you go. <laughs> yes. The strongest, most powerful emotion that's positive that we have access to as humans is love. So you may be saying, what's that got to do with business? <laughs> We're talking about corporate capitalists, manifest destiny, I mean, cutthroat in some ways. And you're going to talk about love? Yeah, I'm going to talk about love. I like to raise the question, what if we led with love? What a difference these companies would be. It wouldn't be so cutthroat. Yeah. But love allows you to power through things um, that you wouldn't necessarily. I'll give you a good example. A lot of the ladies who have stories in the book, they don't know the term positive emotion. Yeah. They don't refer to it when I ask them, how did you overcome or how did you endure? 
during that tough situation, but they acted out. The chief nurse, nursing officer that I mentioned to you before, she's moved 10 times. She's kind of given up on creating community. She's dumb. Her oldest, her youngest son just finished TCU and moved to Portland, got a job as an engineer in Portland. Now she's happy because she's got her husband and her son is right down the street. She's getting the youngest one out of college and she's praying that he'll move to Portland. Why? Because she's decided at the age of 52 that her family is really what pours into her. And what does that family stand for? Love. Mm -hmm. Many people who have described their values will tell you that one of their values, and values are important because they drive us intrinsically. They motivate us intrinsically. You don't have to tell me, you know, you need to urge me along or anything like that when it's anything to do with my daughter. You don't have to do that. Because I love you, right? I'm going to do anything for Joni. You'll find that out. Some of you already know. <laughs> but that positive emotion can help you to drive through and push through any type of negativity. Um, I will also say that self-love is a love that we need to tap into more mm. as people of color, especially women. And that's because you've heard of the love bank. Some of you have been through relationship counseling. They talk about the love bank. <laughs> you want to keep the credits up because when the debits come, you don't want to be without your cash, right? You don't want to be overdrawn. So you want to build up that self-love. And for you folks of faith, it's not selfish. Let me explain that, first of all. I come from a church background. In fact, my next book is about the black church and leadership. So you'll hear me say these things, no matter what you believe. This is what I know to be true. In scripture, it says, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And I made this point in no thanks. Most people concentrate on the love your neighbor part, and they don't think about the part that is actually the baseline the true measure. And that is the part that says, love yourself. Yeah. So if we don't love ourselves, how do we even know how to love anyone else or treat them well? Self-love is the, the, the pathway to self-care. If you don't love yourself, you don't know how to take care of yourself. And sometimes this plays out in our actions and we're showing that we don't love ourselves because we put everybody else first and we're run down. And this is really hard for women. We yeah. tend to put everybody before yeah. ourselves. Family, husbands, yeah. um, church, organizations, sororities, whatever it might be. We tend to run ourselves down in the name of loving someone else. But if you're not your best self, you can't give your best love. That's true. So self-love is a very powerful way to make it through some of these negative situations that you run into in corporate America. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite positive emotions is amusement. Amusement is just short phrase. It means fun. I like fun. <laughs> and fun is a great way to get your mind off of things. Now, the scientists say that it takes three for every one negative emotion. So you have to triple down at the same time, okay? So just me picking up a video of Joni in my phone, acting silly, evokes several positive emotions. One's love, because I love her to death. Two, it's going to be fun, because she's acting silly. And I can reflect on that in the moment and feel that inside. And the third one is joy. That's another positive emotion. 
that you can double down on. So I've talked to many uh, media outlets, thanks to Leah, <laughs> about peace builders. Yeah. And peace builders are those items that allow you to access those positive emotions. So I mentioned my daughter. Um, she is one of my outlets, my peace builders, to get me to positive emotion. I encourage my clients to figure out what those are for themselves. And again, they align with your values. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how are you combining the positive emotions? Like what are the action steps? Because obviously there's a trigger. Yes. <laughs> then we're tapping into, there's 10. We mm -hmm. only went through a few today. And then like, what is this, what does this next step kind of look like right. in putting it to action to get to the C-suite? Yes. Well, <laughs> one of the simplest ways to get there and you'll see that all of my books so far, except for the journal, have the seven ways. The seven ways refer to seven different affirmations. And they're very prescriptive based on what these women are going through. In the first book, we had seven. In Joni's book, we have seven. In my book now, we have seven. This time, however, I added neuroscience mm -hmm. on top of the positive psychology. Positive psychology says you just need to deliver pretty frequently, mm -hmm. a compliment to yourself. That's what it is. I am is the basics for an affirmation. I gave an example the other night on the launch event when I was trying to get myself to pull through and do this book because I took a year off because of life is life. Mm. Um, I had to figure out which positive emotions I need to tap into because <laughs> you put a project like this down after you've already announced a date for it to come out and you start to doubt yourself, you start to feel bad. One of my positive um, emotions or affirmations was, I am an excellent writer. Mm -hmm. Now, that's positive psychology. Positive psychology says that you need to repeat that because there's a little thing in the back of our brains that grows every time we learn. And it grows because of repetition, okay? So you've got to, in order to undo the negative, you've got to unlearn some things by learning some new habits, okay? So I have to say that over and over again, but neuroscience says your brain needs proof. And especially for those who are self-doubters, some of us are just natural. I just doubt that I can do this. I go in and I question myself, um, what do you do for them? Because sometimes you can use these positive affirmations and it can undo the forward motion that you've already tried. So for and those people, who tend towards self-doubt, neuroscience says, add the proof, okay? So you say, I am an excellent writer because is the connector. The NABJ, or the National Association of Black Journalists, awarded me outstanding book in 2021. Something that really happened, okay? <laughs> Your brain needs to know that it's real. Hmm. Your heart understands that that affirmation, yeah, we get it, but your brain needs to know it. And if your brain can learn it, you can overcome it, but you have to repeat it. You have to do it like kinesthetic learning. My mom's a master teacher. My dad used to be an educator too. So I did a little <laughs> teaching and I got my minor in education. Kinesthetic learning means that you do it all sorts of ways. So my clients find me saying, okay, think about it, then write it down, then tell me, then share it. And then you're reading it too. So there's four different ways You've repeated just that affirmation in that one action. And it takes a moment of reflection, but you have to be very intentional. 
about how you digest these positive emotions yeah. and how you enact them. Love that. And what else, just speaking about love and me saying that I love everything that you have going on. Come on, Siri. <laughs> One of the things that, um, you know, there's a lot of data out there. It's always being discussed, whether that's, you know, in essence in some of these other places is black women in love or even women, women of color in love, relationships, why are there so many single black women and they're successful. And you have a part in the book that not only just talks about professional ways you know to make it to the c-suite but also having that support from a partner or what does that look like mm -hmm. as you're going through this process so talk to us a little bit yes. about like what inspired that okay and what so can we look forward to five, well no it's <laughs> affirmation number five mm -hmm. chapter six the affirmation is i deserve a supportive and loving partner on my journey to the c-suite it's so true when you open the book to chapter one, you find me in a very personal situation in a dilemma about how to move forward because I was challenged in a way that I never expected to be challenged. You know, I have parents there that have been married over 50 years. That was what was modeled for me. And we talk about the generation over generation and what was modeled for you. And I saw a loving relationship. So for this to come at me the way it came at me stunned me. I was asked as we were pulling together papers to lease or, or buy a home, I can't remember which one it was, we got down to the part where it was about money, salary. And I was challenged by my husband at the time who said, you make entirely too much money. And that was the tone he said it to me. It wasn't a joke. At first I thought, oh, he's joking. I had to look up at him and see that he was scowling. He said, I made entirely too much money. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was the kind of persona yeah. that I didn't need around <laughs> to try and make it up the, um, the, the ladder. At the time, I had just become senior vice president at my firm. But to know that I was living with that kind of resentment let me know that that's not the kind of fertile, loving, empathetic type of person that women need to have around of any color, okay? Um, so I went digging because I realized that I've said this and I've quoted it based on the stats. Black women are spewing out of the middle of the leadership pipeline faster than any other group. It's black women, then it's women of color, then it's white women. And it's around that middle part where they make it to senior manager, some of them make it to director, but they're being spewed out, Fortune 500. But then I said, but this, if we're gonna be happy, if, if, the, if the goal is to find you happy, because happy people are successful people, we gotta be happy at home, and we gotta be happy at work too. Yeah. So I went digging, and I found this headline, the Wall Street Journal article that said that for every one male CEO in the Fortune 500 who was divorced, there were four women who were likely divorced or headed for it. Mm. And I said, wow, like, it's not just me. Like, mm. let me read further. And in that article, they had anecdotes of different women and the reasons why their marriages fell apart. And there were themes that emerged around the kinds of attitudes that aren't fertile ground for a woman who wants to aspire for more in her professionalism. 
So as I was looking at that, again, my faith creeps up. I had to ask myself, I said, okay, well, does this align? Like, what is going on? And I do hear very often um, people that will say, but you want to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Mm-hmm. And the way they describe this woman is that she cooks, she cleans, she, you know, she takes care of the baby, she's birthing babies, she's doing all of these things, not knocking any of that, because stay-at-home moms have the hardest job of anybody. They do, and they don't get paid. You'll get to meet Ann Chow in the book as well. She is um, former CEO of AT&T Business. She was the first woman of color to have a business of that size, $16 billion dollars of business, and she had conversations with her husband-to-be when they were dating about how they were gonna run the house. But let me tell you that the Proverbs 31 woman was a businesswoman. How many of you knew that? They don't talk about that. She does real estate. She's described as going into the city and trading. And she's a very wise and business-savvy woman. They also describe that she has servants. S. <laughs> servants. <laughs> and she says she brings cloth from the city to her female servants, which implies that there's some male ones around too. Mm-hmm. Now, she manages the house. There's a nuance there. Yeah. There's managing the house, in other words, we made sure the yard man was doing what he was doing, mm-hmm. that the uh, per- personal chef was doing what they needed to do, that the food prep had come in, that the housekeepers had come in. Somewhere along the line in America, we aligned the idea of help in the house with being rich. Mm. They didn't describe this family as being rich. And to be honest, with the internet today, Y'all know you can get your house clean for $19. $19, yes! <laughs> on an app. You can just text it so on your phone. the arguments that happen in You're so true. Where women are begging yeah. for outsourced work. You know, people to come in and, and, and take that one thing off of their plate are sometimes ending in arguments. And these are some of the arguments that we're getting into. And, you know, it becomes a choice between do I work or do I stay home and homeschool kids. Yeah. And why should we have to make those choices? But that part of the book also ends with a very unrecognized piece of that chapter where they talk about the man and the husband in the relationship. He walks through the city gates and he sits with the elders of the city. And I raise the question, are you a Proverbs 31 man? (laughs) We don't really talk about that. Sure don't. So, there is a unicorn that gallops through the book. (laughs) And it is a man that is described with certain traits that, based on my research, and based on what I know to be true from experience, and some of the stories that you see, that are good for women who want to move up in corporate and business, whatever it might be. And they have a few very um, common That concludes part one of the book signing here in Dallas-Fort Worth that happened on June 16th, 2023. Want to hear the rest? Absolutely. You can do so, but you need to subscribe 
to TCSP after the show, which is my subscription-based episodes, which include outtakes, after the show, chatter. In this case, you'll get to hear the end of the book signing, but you'll actually get to hear me read from the book and do some Q&A with the audience. Yeah, it gets pretty good. So I'll see you on TCSP after the show. By the way, if you want to get the book, go to lmichellesmith.com slash yes please it's available worldwide you can get it on amazon you can get it on books a million you can get it at chapters indigo if you're in canada it's also available in europe and asia so look for it the name of the book again is yes please seven ways to say i'm entitled to the c-suite secrets women of color need to know now to find their happy and win and an exclusive corporate culture also tcsp after the show is available exclusively on apple podcasts find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. I'll see you next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.